So Liam, it's it's only been one week and we've pretty much, I, th- I think we've been replaced. Re- replaced? By who? Yeah, so uh, this week, um, Abby Ringer, who's a lawyer, um, who works predominantly with children affected by brain injury, um, she is going to be uh, taking on an interview without us. It's, it's only taken a week, but <laughs> they've already replaced us. They got they got set up. With. Um, <clears throat> no, she. So this week, um, Abby is going to be interviewing Tash, who's 28 years old and uh, lives in Ipswich. She studied tourism and hospitality at university, uh, and having used a wheelchair full time for 12 years, she's passionate about accessibility in this industry. Um, she advises the Disability Advice Service and has been awarded for volunteering within a community. And she also writes her own travel blog. Tash's accessible travels. Um, she enjoys exploring, loves London in particular, um, and she's kindly agreed to join us today to share her experience of accessing the city. This is this is quite in line with our recent team around the client magazine, which launched the, this time last week, um, which is all about London and accessibility. So we thought it'd be an opportune time to to speak to someone about it who has first-hand experience. And over to Abby. Tash, we are so grateful to you for joining us today. Tash and I met on Facebook on Disability Community UK, which is a great place to share experiences and tips on living with a disability. Tash, you are someone who is passionate about improving accessibility in hospitality and tourism. Can you tell us a little bit more about you and how this passion grew? Yes. So I was diagnosed with a condition called Charcot-Marie Tooth Disease, age two. This condition damages the peripheral nerves and can cause muscle weakness in the lower limbs, numbness, extreme nerve pain, um, problems with hearing and swallowing. And that's a tiny example of how it can affect people with this condition. But for me, I uh, I have severe muscle weakness in my knees down to my feet. I use a wheelchair full time as I can't walk anymore. Um, I can only use two fingers on my right hand now as all the rest have just stopped functioning. But fortunately, I still have full sensation and luckily I have no pain other than the usual aches in your back and your hips. Mm, thanks for sharing that, Tash. And what does an average day look like? So I have carers that come in each morning to help me get washed, get dressed, have breakfast, generally getting ready for the day. But other than that, I'm pretty independent. I drive a large adapted van, which allows me to go to my volunteering at my local disability advice service. We help those with disabilities or who are elderly with benefit forms, general advice, um, those in crisis, so food packages or if they need help with grants. But I'm also a trustee, so I absolutely love that. Um, but yeah, I just live a, a pretty regular life. I live at home with my my parents, my younger brother, my two adorable dogs, Benny and Charlie. Um, my brother also has the same condition as me. Um, I love the usual meals out, hanging with family, hanging with friends, going shopping, bit of retail therapy. Uh, I have watched every single Marvel film, TV show. My favourite has now changed from Iron Man to Hawkeye because I recently <laughs> watched Hawkeye and I, I loved it. Uh, and I, I just on a, n- a normal day where I don't go out, I play games on my computer. So I, I love simulator games. Um, it sounds very odd, but you clean, you renovate houses, train stations, stadiums, or you work in a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you actually play a game where you clean houses. That sounds a bit like torture to me, but I'm totally on board with eating out and spending time with family. That sounds great. 
can you tell us a bit more about how your passion for accessibility grew? Sure. So my love for traveling and exploring London started with a concert back in 2013. I've always had a passion. I've always been passionate about Korean music. So the language, the food um, since that year, which ended with me experiencing my first concert. And that's how everything got started. Since then, I've been to over 10 concerts. I've stayed at so many different hotels in London. I've explored so many of the different tourist attractions, venues, um, and accessibility is at the center of all this, obviously. So the research, the emails, the phone calls, just find out basic information. Um, and I really feel there's a huge gap when it comes to accessing information about accessibility. So many hotels, venues, anything, they do not have any information on their website. There's no pictures, no measurements. And I just, I really feel like this needs to change. And what you say really mirrors the experiences of the families with whom we work. Every trip requires so much advanced planning that could be much more straightforward with more information. But tell us more about your adventures in London. Let's start with the practicalities. How do you normally travel there? Who is your favourite travel companion? So whenever I travel to London, it's always by train. So previously on the Greater Anglia trains, the disabled spaces were in the first class carriage, which was lovely. I felt like royalty. Um, and they had two spaces for wheelchairs, but they also had a mini fixed table. But in the newer trains, there's there's so many more, so much more space for wheelchairs, which is great. So you can get more, you can get many more people with disabilities on trains. But there's no table, so for me, that, that's just so frustrating. It means that I I constantly have to ask my companion to grab something from my bag or put something away, um, and it's it's so small, but it takes away independence. Uh, my local train station is brilliant on the other hand they have a service for those needing assistance with board and chains the ramps the luggage um, and in all the years of using Ipswich station there's only been a handful of times where somebody hasn't been there with a ramp a member of public though is always there to help which is just amazing not the ramp but to grab a station worker for me <laughs> Uh, I usually go with a care from the agency I'm with, but currently I'm having issues with that company. Um, but my amazing mum has offered to come with me in the last three trips, and it's, it's, it's been amazing, just the two of us going away. Ah, well done, mum. Where would we be without them? Um, <laughs> yeah, stations can be tricky, although I have heard some great feedback about helpful staff, as you say, letting families through locked barriers and helping with ramps. Also, I'm aware of the launch of a new app developed in conjunction with National Rail that allows passengers to pre-book travel and assistance and makes the whole process much more streamlined. Most of the families with whom we work talk about avoiding the tube. They take slower trains to stations that avoid tube connections. I know the tube station near Great Ormond Street Hospital is not easily accessible with a wheelchair, for example. A few years ago, I had a bilateral lung transplant, but prior to that, I used to be incredibly daunted by using the tube because of the steps involved. How do you tend to get around once you've arrived in London? What works well for you? <clears throat> yes, exactly that. I know that more recently, some tubes are classed as step-free, but depending on what type of wheelchair you had, you could, you would, you would still need a ramp as there's a gap between the tube and the platform. Also, you're limited to what station you could use. So some have lifts and some do not, and you'd have to be so careful. Mm. Um, I actually travel around London just using the traditional black cabs. These all have ramps and the new electric cabs are larger than the older style. And there's plenty of space and plenty of headroom. So 
So I'm I'm pretty tall. So in the smaller cabs, I would often hit my head if he went over a speed bump. <laughs> um, I'd like to experience buses and I'd like to experience tubes, but that's something for another day when it doesn't feel quite so daunting to me. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Coming back to our discussion on using the tube, it may be worth adding that Transport for London does have a section on their website called Wheelchair Access and Avoiding Stairs, which also covers platforms that have level access with the tube. Transport for London have also said that if you reach a lift at a station that is unavailable, their staff will work out an alternative route, such as taking a cab at their expense. So we are seeing progress. Another thing worth mentioning is the Disabled Persons Freedom Pass, which admittedly is only available for people who live in London, but allows free travel across London and free bus journeys nationally. And if anyone listening to this podcast is planning on driving to London, please do bear in mind that the rules on blue badges do differ from other parts of the country, and more details can be accessed on the City of London webpages. And in terms of navigating the streets and accessing shops, how have you found that? I would say that the well-known touristy areas are pretty good for drop curbs, but shop access is quite hit and miss. So I've been down Oxford Street and found many shops with large steps, but nice lower curbs everywhere. Um, Somewhere like Chinatown or Carnaby Street, I just don't bother with anymore as pretty much all the shops or restaurants are got massive steps. So Mm. it's it's not worth the journey to get all the way there. Um, but, but there was this one time I was with a carer. We'd been out all day. My chair battery was running out slowly. So we decided to go the back streets to the large John Lewis. Stupid decision as so many of the paths were either too narrow or were closed. We're having to then go on the road, which isn't safe. We got to the end of one street and the only way down to the road was a steep curb. There was a group of builders on the other side who came over to see if they could help and ended up lifting me and my chair down <gasps> off the curb. <sighs> And then up on the other side, using a big plank of wood like a seesaw. Oh, my goodness. That does sound like an adventure. Yes. <laughs> and let's cover the glamorous practicalities, accessing toilets. I know of one small chap who refuses to drink unless he knows that there is an accessible toilet nearby. Mm. I also hear horror stories of people having to be changed in less than private locations. But happily, things are improving in this area and changing places have been at the forefront of this change in setting up accessible toilets across the UK with enough space, a height adjustable changing bench, a hoist, a centrally placed toilet and privacy screen. What has your experience of accessing facilities been like in London? So I personally haven't used the change of places toilet in London as I have never actually thought about them or looked up where they are online. But I did some quick research and they have large changing places toilets in the National Gallery, Tower of London and in the South Bank Centre, just to name a few. But these are large, large bathrooms. And I think they'll be great for, for people who need all sorts of the facilities in there. Mm. Um, quite a few of the larger Five Guys restaurants actually have, they do have basic disabled toilets, but they work for when you need to go. Uh, but they've it's literally a very small toilet a small bathroom small toilet um, but there's enough space for a wheelchair which I think is all you need really in a disabled toilet Um, I'm only able to transfer to the left so it's difficult trying to find a toilet that's either a left side transfer or the room is large enough for a central toilet there has been the odd occasion where I've left concert or attraction and the only places available is on the wrong side to transfer. But I may do, might cry a bit with frustration, but I think when you've got to go, you've got to go. 
<laughs> so true. It sounds mega frustrating. <laughs> Changing Places has a really useful map and route planner on their website, which I know has made life easier for a huge number of travellers. And now on to the more fun topics, locations, attractions, <laughs> give me your favourites and what makes them special. Okay, so recently I've been to see The Lion King at the Lyceum Theatre and Cinderella at the Gillian Lynn Theatre. Both venues, although they're very old buildings, they had brilliant accessibility. The staff was so helpful and friendly. It truly put me at ease. The accessible seating in the Gillian Lynn Theatre was accessed via slightly narrow corridors and a very small lift, but the platform had the most amazing views, which I think makes up for everything. Um, but with the Lyceum, my mum and I were sat at the very back on the main floor and literally they took a chair away from me from my wheelchair and we weren't in the way of anybody. It was easy access. So I think it was fantastic. Great. <clears throat> so I've also been to Shrek's Adventure and the London Dungeons. Uh, these are both interactive walkthroughs where my carer and I would walk through eight to ten scenes with live action care characters. So you'd see Shrek or you'd see Donkey. <laughs> um, it's amazing. When I went into each of the scene, though, the actors would always move. They'd put me at the front. Um, they put me, well, obviously anybody else with accessibility needs to the front. They'd lastly first for the next scene. Um, and it makes a huge difference because you're not fighting with everybody else to try and get through the corridors. They yeah. literally had you at the forefront of everything. <clears throat> Ideal. I've also been, it's, it really is. I think it makes a big difference for when you go to these kind of attractions. Mm. So I've also been to quite a few concert venues too. Uh, the Forum, Kentish Town, O2 Academy, Brixton, Shepherd's Bush, and the Coronet, just to name a few. Uh, every venue I've seen, concerts, they've always had their pros and cons. The disabled seating section at one venue can provide me with a fantastic view of the stage, but another section can be as far back as possible behind everybody standing. Oh, man. Which is incredibly frustrating. Um, my very first VIP ticket I ever bought to meet the artist, I was told to wait downstairs for somebody to come and get me. The band would then come down for me to have my picture with them after everybody else who had bought VIP tickets saw them. And then after 20 or so minutes, I remember asking the security guard to check what was happening, but they'd already left. The venue had left, not the venue, sorry, the band had left. <laughs> the staff had forgotten me. No. Um, so I was, yes. Whereas another VIP ticket, I... The staff went above and beyond. I met him before everybody else. I had a picture just by myself with him. Um, it was fantastic. So you do you, everywhere you go, you get pros and cons for everything. Yeah. I'm quite jealous, though. I don't think I've ever met a celebrity. <laughs> um, also, the website Disability Horizons features accessible London attractions and includes some of the classics. Yeah. The London Eye with its step-free access into the capsules, Buckingham Palace, my own favourite, the Natural History Museum, mm -hmm. although it can be hard to get through the crowds with a wheelchair at busy times. Also, the Tate Modern is meant to have good accessibility. All of these mainstay attractions have much more detail on their websites. Let's chat about accommodation in London. I love looking up accommodation. When we're quantifying how much compensation a child should receive after a brain injury, we seek advice from an expert in occupational therapy to advise on the additional costs of holidays and travel associated with being differently abled. The additional cost may be for accessible accommodation, more luggage, the cost of a carer. I know the additional cost associated with an accessible room is often a source of frustration for travellers. What has your experience been of accommodation in London? 
So the Hilton London Bankside has been my go-to hotel the last five times I've been to stay in London. This hotel has quite a few accessible rooms with walk-in showers, wet rooms, and the usual, such as pool cords, lowered thermostats. They have adjoining room for my carer too, which is always a bonus. Unfortunately, you do have to pay for the adjoining room. Mm. So that's, an, that's like you say, that's an additional cost. Um, I love the bathroom. It's been designed the same as the rest. It gives off a modern vibe for me. And I like how it doesn't feel like a disabled bathroom, you know, with the white bars and the white yeah. tile flooring. Um, uh-huh. Also, the toilets that have the toilets, they have bathrooms that have both left and right side transfer. So it doesn't matter what side you need. They've, they've got what you need. Um, although the only thing I would say is the sink in the access bathroom is very low. So if you do sit quite tall like me in your chair, you just cannot roll underneath the sink so your your knees would be a bit bruised um but you, you may do with these things <laughs> so i don't use hoist myself but i know from my research the hotels in london there's very few and far between that have hoists i found a couple there's premier inns holiday inns that have ceiling hoists but something was always compromised so it seemed either the space in the room or the location be so far out of london just to have a hoist that you'd have to spend lots of money to get into london via taxi or tube yeah. I once stayed in a hotel six years ago, six plus years ago. My care and I arrived. The only lift that was available, they had buildings in, so the main lift was blocked off. The only lift that was available was a small sideways lift that was so narrow I couldn't get my chair in. We literally had a concert a few hours later, so I was feeling a lot of stress. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, luckily they found me another hotel just a short walk away. The accessible room was huge. The toilet was on the wrong side for me, but again, I think when you've got a concert, you may do for that. You sure do. And the point you make about the lack of hoisting facilities in London is really valuable. I've quite recently been introduced to Able Stay, which is still undergoing renovation, but describes itself as London's first fully accessible holiday home. And it will come complete with a ceiling hoist. Hooray! No stairs, profiling <laughs> beds, a medical fridge and accessible washroom facilities. This is a promising step for the future. What are your dreams for the future, both in terms of accessibility and in your own life? I know. I'm so excited about getting the chance to stay at Able Stay in the future. Um, I think it's absolutely amazing what they're doing. But my dream job would be to explore different hotels and tourist attractions and see how they cater for those with disabilities. Or similarly, if there is a new hotel or resort being designed and built, I would love to be one of the many who voice their opinions on access, kind of like an accessibility consultant. Although I may not have had work experience in these sectors, I have lived experiences as a person with a disability, which I think is invaluable. Yeah, I agree. So... Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Um, My blog has been around for a few years now, and I review accessible rooms at different hotels, write about my experiences at concerts and general chit-chat too. As I mentioned earlier about my passion for South Korea, I would love to one day visit there, as I know that accessibility is very different to ours. The tubes in the main cities are wheelchair accessible, for one, but the taxis are the complete opposite. So it's an experience I really would like to have. I also think an assistance dog would be amazing to have too. <laughs> I follow people. I, th- I would love. I would love an assistance dog. I think it would make a huge difference to my life. But I follow people who use either guide dogs or assistance dogs on YouTube, and the tasks they're trained to do would just be a game changer for for anybody who would need one. It would be a game changer for independence. But yes, I think as a society we have come quite far. But I 
do feel there is a way to still go to cater to people of all abilities just to enable people to be as independent as they possibly can. These all sound like amazing aspirations and I fully endorse that you would make an excellent accessibility consultant (laughs) and an assistance dog would be the best or they would have to ask your dogs Benny and Charlie's permission (laughs) Tash, it's been such a privilege to hear your story and experiences of accessing London. We're truly grateful to you for joining us today and look forward to seeing great things. Thank you so much, Abby, for this opportunity to speak to you and share part of my story as well. Thanks to Abby and Tash there, and thanks in particular to Tash for her insights into accessibility in the capital city of London. It's really interesting, wasn't it, Liam? It was really insightful, yeah. You can find out more from Tash about um, accessible travel on her blog, which uh, is tashesaccessibletravels.co.uk. Um, we'll also link to it in the description. Um, you can also read our Team Around the Climate magazine. Um, it's le- their latest edition, all about London, um, at roidswillyking.com forward slash TAC6. That's T-A-C and the number six. And remember, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, be that Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever else. Just search Legal Thinking and new episodes are released weekly. Thanks for listening.